We're getting very close to the end of the JobKeeper program at the end of this month, and the government has this week announced its plans to sustain Australia's travel and tourism industry into the future. But that's not all. In yet another big week for news, the ACCC has forced APT and Travel Marvel to come to the table on refunds. We've seen Intrepid take on a new strategic investor, and after confirm it's going to be Lena and Mina. So much to talk about, so let's get into it. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper. And this is News on the Fly. As Australia's travel and tourism sector teeters on the brink of the end of the JobKeeper wage subsidy, the government has finally unveiled its highly anticipated plan to keep the industry going until international borders reopen. While initial details are still sketchy, it's not all bad news, but there's a general feeling that despite all the hard work of lobbying over the last 12 months, officials still don't get the pressure that we're all under. What's your take on the announcement, Bruce? Yeah, look, obviously highly anticipated. With JobKeeper ending at the end of March, uh, there were some expectations that the announcement would come a bit earlier, and Dan Tian actually previously had promised that it would come in the first week of March, so everyone was waiting with bated breath. Um, As expected, you know, it is confirmed that JobKeeper is ending. To me, it's one of those announcements where there's a little bit of something for everyone, but no one is really happy about it, unless, of course, you're an airline. Um, The total package is worth $1.2 and amazingly, travel agents got a brief mention in the press conference, but... The whole announcement is made at Sydney Airport in a Qantas hangar where Alan Joyce is standing alongside ScoMo, Josh Frydenberg and Dan Tian, basically doing a big ad for how Qantas flights are going and you know why everyone should fly Qantas. And the package includes 800,000 subsidised flights to a range of holiday destinations. What's the idea behind that and how will that all work, I guess? Yeah, well, that does sound like a big number, and it reflects to me a comment that Tian made at a at that Destination Australia conference last week. Um, he said that he'd spoken to an operator, I think it was in Cairns, who and he said to him, you know, what what do you want? What's the best way for me to support you? And this operator said, well, just send me some tourists. So Tian's definitely trying to deliver on that for the operators on the ground in various these thirteen targeted regions across the country. You know, I think you could argue that with all the pent-up demand around the country, that anywhere with direct flights is likely to be getting pretty busy soon anyway. You know, competitive tension between airlines would keep fares down. But anyway, the government's decided they're going to make half-price tickets um, available to a range of these destinations like the Gold Coast, Kangaroo Island, Uluru, Launceston, the Whitsundays. Um, the airlines have to have been operating to these destinations for at least two years, so that kind of knocks out Regional Express's new operations. And predictably, you can only book these special flights directly with the airlines, and so it's totally locking out the travel industry. They're saying that it's 46,000 flights a week on average, so that must uh, equate to about a three- or four-month period. Yeah, I think, you know, great news, but it'll remain to be seen what difference it actually makes. Mm. And what's been the industry reaction to all that? As I mentioned, everyone's pretty unhappy. Um, Screw Turner from Flight Centre was pretty unhappy on TV the morning of the announcement, pointing out that people you know, are likely to travel domestically anyway. The international borders are closed and also, yes, really not much in it for the travel industry. The accommodation sector's pretty upset, um, particularly about the targeting. They're pointing out that you know, a lot of these regional destinations, accommodation is absolutely chock-a-block at the moment. Um, There's no capacity, so even if you can get the flights, whereas capital city hotels are completely empty um, and there's nothing for them. 
you know, people are whinging about the support for the aviation industry. So they're getting all these subsidised fares, lots of stimulation at the government's expense and also ongoing waiver of fees. And the government's also pledged to give them sort of what they're not saying it's a wage subsidy, but I'm sure that's what it is so that they can have their planes on standby for a restart when the borders reopen. Now, look, surely that's the um, you know the business of the air, airline, and they will be absolutely poised to restart. I mean, Qantas has already laid out its plan for restarting on the 31st of October. Um, you know, I just think clearly uh, Alan Joyce has been in the government's ear and they're listening to him, to me, at the expense of everyone else. Huh. And what about the travel agent support that Dan Tehan mentioned? Do we have any details around that? Look, as we're recording this podcast, no detail whatsoever, but by the time people are listening to it, it should be released. He mentioned during the press conference that it would be another $128 million, so that's doubling the previous support. You know, that's a good pool of money, uh, but no detail at all. After, of course, he's scrambling to um, react and take control of the narrative, uh, particularly given the bungles around the, the previous $128 million, that uh, consumer travel support scheme that just, you know, caused such a lot of angst that is still ongoing. It's my understanding that this additional $128 million is aimed at keeping people employed for another three months. So it's not going to be called JobKeeper, but somehow it is going to support the industry to keep people in jobs. And then I also understand that the government will look at it again in terms of ongoing funding, perhaps on a three-month rolling basis before um, international borders reopen. You know, look, whatever happens, with this lack of detail, I'm expecting there are going to be job losses and more collapses. And in fact, you know, Schreidenberg earlier this week actually said that um, the government can't be expected to save everyone. They've spent $200 billion on, you know, all these measures, including JobKeeper, which has been massive. But in the end, businesses have to stand on their own two feet. And on that subject, the package also includes loans which are backed by the government. Do you think the industry will be able to survive by borrowing to pay the bills until we can start trading again? Um, Look, I think this does reflect... Perhaps it's PR spin or just massive naivety on the part of the government. It's all very well to say that businesses need to back themselves and borrow money. But in the end, the money's got to come from a bank. And no matter what the government says, you've got to convince the bank that you can pay them back. The program, I think that you you can borrow money for up to 10 years. You can borrow up to $5 million. um, You get a two-year repayment and interest holiday, which is terrific. But the reality is that no bank is going to sell to anyone, try to sell outbound travel, or or anyone who's a supplier to the the industry in the current environment. As soon as you show them you're trading for the last 12 months, they're just going to laugh in your face. I know that even some big businesses have been trying to borrow to bridge the gap. And even with, you know, they've got big assets, a really strong trading history, banks are just slamming the door in their faces. It really is a joke. And I think it just shows the government just doesn't understand the reality of the situation for the travel industry. Hmm. All pretty depressing, unfortunately, so thanks for that, Bruce. Something else that was significant for the industry this week was an announcement by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or the ACCC, about an agreement with APT and Travel Marvel relating to refunds and credits for bookings impacted by the pandemic. What's the story there? Yeah, look, this is the outcome of, um, you know, what they're both sides are describing as long-running engagement. Um, you know, the ACCC has had thousands and thousands of complaints about travel and 
APT is among those ones. I'm sure, guarantee they're not the only ones. And previously, they've put out guidance saying that, you know, basically operators have to abide by their terms and conditions. And I'm pretty sure that APT, you know, had their ducks in a row and were pretty confident. But basically, they have been charging a 15% admin fee for any cash refunds that they've been providing to customers. And so, you know, on a 40k uh, River Cruise booking, that might be $6,000 that, that APT has been withholding. Um, and that has definitely generated a lot of whinging. Wow, that does seem like quite a lot. How did APT and Travel Marvel justify that? Yeah, that was the issue the ACCC was concerned about. Um, basically, the company was saying that it was recovering the marketing costs that were incurred when it made the sale. The ACCC disagreed and, and you know, did point out that those costs would have been incurred whether or not each individual you know, booking took place. You know, I'm sure they threatened the big stick of court action, but they've come up with this, you know, mutually agreed solution. APT is going to refund what the ACCC sees as excessive admin fees. That's going to cost APT a lot of money. They're still charging an admin fee of $400 per passenger and also, you know, unrecoverable costs. And look, it's definitely something that's going to be uh, applying to all other operators and wholesalers, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on the industry supply chain. APT also pointed out that it has been quite generous in in cases of hardship, you know, on a case-by-case consideration of uh, individual refunds, so paying back more things. And Chris Hall, the CEO, also noted that the refund policy had been inside the Australian Consumer Law, uh, APT's own terms and conditions for force majeure events like the government-enforced border closures. Um, and the, the revised policy, and they've also got this 100% future holiday credit offer, are actually above and beyond their current terms and conditions. And will this just affect APT, or do you think it will put other industry businesses under pressure as well? Yeah, look, APT is just a test case. The ACCC generally do this. They pick a supplier as an example of what a particular industry is doing, and they you know, home in on it, but it's definitely meant to be you know, a stalking horse for the rest of the industry. Every single member of Cato, the Council of Australian Tour Operators, will have issues like this. And interestingly, Cato, which normally, you know, is very quick to put its, you know, voice out into the industry, hasn't made one peep about this issue. And I really wonder if that's because they don't want to attract attention uh, to the wider issues that their members have in this area. Don't miss out on the March issue of Travel Bulletin, which is out now. In this issue, Bruce Piper sits down with Ponant's Asia-Pacific Chair, Serena Bratton, to discuss the challenges she has faced in attempting to get cruising restarted in Australia and New Zealand. Plus, read the seven reasons why Fiji should be the next place you plan a trip to. All this and more in the March issue of Travel Bulletin. Read it now at travelbulletin.com.au. unusual to make a major deal during a pandemic, but Intrepid Travel has this week announced a new strategic partner in the form of a French private company owned by the family behind the gigantic decathlon global sporting goods retailer. What's your take on this deal, Bruce? Yeah, look, they're pitching this as a minority stake. Um, my guess is 49%. The owner of the investment company is a bloke called Julien Leclerc, who will join the invest the Intrepid board. So, you know, it's not a small stake that they're taking, but um, the founders of Intrepid, Daryl Wade and Jeff Manchester, they'll stay on the board. And as far as we can see, the existing management will also stay in place, uh, led by CEO James Thornton, who also remains on the Intrepid board. The investment company is called Genayogi. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. And there are some synergies. It's, it's definitely all about ethical partnerships. 
you know, they're saying that this investment firm, it's a private family-owned thing. They've been attracted by Intrepid's B Corp credentials. It is quite an interesting backstory. Um, Leclerc's family founded, or his father actually, founded this um, giant sports retailer called Decathlon. Apparently, there's thousands of stores across the world. They're multi-billionaires. Um, so it's a, definitely a good partnership for Intrepid. And do we know how much the investment was? No, look. Of course not, but actually I wouldn't be quite be surprised if Intrepid does make it public at some stage because they are very keen on transparency. On the subject of figures, the media release did confirm that Intrepid's 2019 sales were almost 500 million and also reiterated a target to grow that to a billion by 2025 despite the pandemic. Wow. And what are they going to use the money for? Yeah, I think the release referred to digital transformation, product innovation, market expansion, and the fairly vague term business initiatives. Um, Look, I suspect that it was a pretty hard-fought negotiation. Intrepid has gone down the path of external investment in the past. They had this ill-fated partnership with a UK-based public company. And so I'm sure that Daryl and Manch will have been extremely cautious about who they get into bed with this time. And finally, amid all the efforts to push the travel sector's agenda in Canberra and around the country, AFTRA itself also looks set for some major changes. What's the story there, Bruce? Look, as they say, details are still sketchy, um, but they've said it's going to be a leaner and meaner organisation. Basically means a restructure. It's my understanding that there have been a number of redundancies over the past few months. They haven't made a lot of noise about it, but the team is definitely smaller and a few key staff have definitely gone including a a few more, or at least a couple in the last week or so, quite key, but they haven't announced who. Definitely the team is shrinking. Look, of course, AFTA, like everyone, has been impacted heavily by COVID-19. They didn't charge any fees for 2020, which means that they're running on reserves. And uh, I suspect Top Gun style that soon they'll be running on vapour if they don't adjust things. Right. And how are they going to keep operating without any income? Yeah, well, obviously the reality is that they have to have income, just like everyone else. They've got to pay rent, pay the staff, pay for lobbying, and that don't come cheap, I'm assured. Um, So they are going to start charging fees again, you know, and, you know, it's pretty bad timing because I think the renewals are going to be going out next week for the 20, because their financial year starts on the 1st of April. Um, Apparently it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be a single fee for AFTA and ATAS combined. Um, My guess is around $700. But the million dollar question is just how many members are actually going to be in a position to pay. For example, I believe that Hello World, which used to include after membership in its franchise fees, is breaking that out. So it's no longer a part of the cost. So individual agents are going to have to decide for themselves if they're in or out. On top of that, um, the fee structure has always been based on the number of locations. And we've seen Flight Centre announce massive cuts to its bricks and mortar network. Um, you know, it's about a third of the size that it was before. So that's got to reduce what they were paying. But basically, you know, like everyone in the industry, you've just got to put your best foot forward, cut your cloth to fit. They can only fund the support services and lobbying for the industry based on the money that they have coming in. Mm, dark times indeed. Well, at least we finally have the vaccine rolling out. And so if we can just hang on for the next few months, surely things will have to improve. That's it for this week. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Stay up to date throughout the week with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and from Cruise Weekly. And we will be back next week with more news on the fly. 